Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. All right. Got a couple of you in here that have done that. I have to admit that um, in the past I've made resolutions only for those to quickly be broken um, within a week or weeks. This year, though, I've made a couple of resolutions. I'm not going to share with you what those resolutions are, but I do give you permission over the course of this year to ask me how I am doing with my resolutions. And if all goes well, about this time next year, I'll share with you what those resolutions were and whether or not I kept them or not. You know, this morning, I want us to visualize what 2018 has in store for us as individuals and as a church. This is not a New Year's resolution sermon, okay? When we're done this morning, it's not my goal that you will leave here and go join a local gym or sign up for Weight Watchers or um, or sign up for a half marathon. All three of those I probably need to do, um, but that is not my goal for you that you go out and do all of those things. My goal when we leave here this morning is this. May our prayer be that the Lord will do something supernatural in and through each one of us this morning. Aren't you, are you with me here? Isn't that what you want? Don't you want your life to count eternally? And I know that I want my life to count eternally. Our our message point this morning is this, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Over the break, I read a book called Whisper by Mark Batterson. Many of you are familiar with Mark Batterson. He's written several books, one of those being Circle Maker, which is a book on prayer. Whisper is a book on hearing the word of God, hearing the voice of God. Within this book, Batterson shared a story of an unknown Bible student who prayed the words, Lord, do it again. That is my prayer for each of us this, this, this morning and across this year that we will pray, Lord, do it again. The story goes like this. Dr. J. Edwin Orr, the greatest authority ever, it says, on renewal in the church, was a lecturer at Wheaton College. He took some students in 1940 for a brief visit to England, including the Epworth Rectory. Beside the bed of John Wesley were two worn impressions on the carpet, where it is said that John Wesley knelt for hours upon hours upon hours, praying for England and praying for the world. As the students were getting on the bus, the professor noticed that one of the students was missing. Going back upstairs, he found one student kneeling in those carpet holes with his face on the bed, praying, Oh Lord, do it again. Do it again. Or placed his hand on the student's shoulder and said, Billy, We need you to come on and join the rest of the group on the bus. And rising, Billy Graham rejoined the other students on that bus. And the rest, as they would say, is history. You know why Billy Graham wanted to be like John Wesley? Because John Wesley was a spiritual champion. 
John Wesley lived his life well. It is said that John Wesley traveled about 4,000 miles every year preaching the gospel. He preached some 40,000 sermons over the course of his life. Traveled about 250,000 miles, and many of those miles were by horse and buggy. I'm not sure how many people came to faith as a result of that spiritual champion's life, but you can count on there being a substantial number. And you can bet on the fact that still today, Today, many people are coming to faith as a result of the work and the ministry and the legacy of John Wesley. May this be the year that the Lord uses each one of us to see radical transformation in our lives as well as in the lives of those that we do life with. This morning, our focal passage is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Several years ago, we were going through our Heroes Sermon Series, and, and we covered Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, but I want us to revisit this chapter this year, or this morning as we prepare for the year 2018. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Our first point this morning is this. Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All of us are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. In the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, we see the writer make reference to Hebrews chapter 11. And you know Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And within this great faith chapter, um, it is often called the spiritual hall of fame. I love that. The spiritual hall of fame. And within that chapter, we find the likes of Abel. It is said that, that in Scripture that Abel's life still preaches on today. Enoch. It is said of Enoch that he walked with God and was no more because God took him away. Noah. It is said that he built a giant boat in the middle of the desert during a time and a season that had yet to see rain. Abraham, Abraham was righteous and was set apart amongst all of the men on the planet to be the father of a new nation. Sarah was the barren wife of Abraham. She experienced an impossible supernatural miracle when at the age of 90, she became pregnant and she had a son. Isaac was his name. The writer goes on to speak of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and then comes to Moses. We know about Moses. Moses is is a spiritual champion. The Lord used Moses to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh's captivity and brought them before the gates of the promised land. Then the writer goes on and speaks of Jericho and speaks of Rahab. And then after this exhaustive list 
a people. The writer goes on to explain that time does not allow him to write about all the other great heroes of the faith. But he writes briefly about them in the, in the verses that follow. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. So if you have your Bibles, just flip over probably a page and you'll come to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. It says this, and what more shall I say? For time would not, would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive that what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Absolutely incredible when you think about these great men and women of the faith. And understand this, these are just Old Testament saints. Then there's the New Testament saints, men like Peter and John, Paul, Timothy, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Barnabas, John the Baptist. There's Mary, Martha, James, and Jude. Those are the New Testament spiritual heroes, just a few of them. And then When you think about all the other spiritual heroes that have gone before us, that have preceded us in death, those that came um, after the closing pages of the New Testament were written, there are the likes of the early church fathers like Irenaeus, Athanasius, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, there's Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, C.S. Lewis, and, and we've already looked at him, but, but you can count on the fact that another spiritual giant hasn't preceded us in death yet, but definitely a spiritual giant is alike of Billy Graham. You know, some of you this morning, and as well as myself, when I hear the names of these spiritual giants in God's Word and those that have preceded us in death, I think to myself, man, I could never measure up to them. Man, they're in a league all to themselves. I could never do and accomplish the things that they did because I am just a a fallen sinner. Here's the deal. We are fallen sinners, but we have been saved by God's grace. Here's what we need to understand this morning. The great leaders were also flawed leaders. The great leaders were also flawed leaders. Every single person that has been mentioned today, they were sinners that all fell short of the glory of God. And each needed the same grace covering that we all have received. Some of these men and women are spiritual heroes in the faith. They were murderers before they came to faith. They were idolaters. They were adulterers. They were doubters. They were drunks. They were liars. They were spent time in prisons. They were womanizer. One was a prostitute. They were thieves and deniers. Many, many, many of the people within God's word have notable areas of failures in their lives, yet they were included within the pages of God's great word as examples for us to live our lives 
after. Folks, none of us in this room are without our flaws. We have all made mistakes in the past. We have all failed in certain areas of our lives, and we have all fallen short of God's grace, haven't we? But understand this, as long as you and I have breath in our lungs and have experienced God's grace, we are without a doubt instruments that God can still use today. May our prayer be this, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, use me like you used Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Joseph and David and Moses and Peter and Paul, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, Billy Graham, and some of the other spiritual heroes that we have. Lord, do it again. Understand this. All will run the race, but not all will complete the race. We read again in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Every single one of us in this room, we are in a race. For the believer, our crown awaits us when we cross that great finish line one day. However, not everyone will finish the race of life. In this race, some will quit mid-race like I did as a 7th grade junior high athlete. Let us not quit. Let us not give up. Let us finish strong and complete this race of life that has been set out before us. Our race will best be defined by the legacy that we leave behind. Our race will be best defined by the legacy that we leave behind. It will best be defined by the dash that will separate our birth date from our death date. How well are we living that dash? How well are we living that dash that will separate our birth dates from our death dates? Think about that this morning. How well are we living that dash? I want to share a story about a gentleman that lived that dash well. Many of you are familiar with Eric Little. Eric um, is, is the, one of the focal um, characters in the movie Chariots of Fire. How many of you have ever watched Chariots of Fire? You know, I have to admit, I had never seen Chariots of Fire until yesterday. Um, and I say that because recently I read a mini biography on Eric Little's life. And I'd always heard, heard about Chariots of Fire, how it, um, it was about his life. And so I was like, hey, before I stand up and preach Sunday about this man, I want to know a little bit more about him. And, and Eric Little was born to two Scottish missionaries that devoted their lives to missionary work in China. He was born on January the 16th, 1902. Eric Little would become one of the greatest runners Scotland had ever known. He would be given the name the Flying Scotsman because it is said that he ran like the wind, unlike me. At the age of 23, he was given an invitation to join the British Olympic team. His race, the one that he was known for, the one that he was expected or that he would always win was a hundred meter dash. That was the race that he could not lose. In the fall of 1923, all the athletes received the schedule 
of events that they would be participating in. And when Eric Little received his description and his schedule, there was a problem. Wasn't a problem for Little, but it was a problem for the British Olympic Committee because he was scheduled to run on Sunday. And Eric Little made it very clear that he did not run on Sunday because that was the Sabbath and he honored the Sabbath. And so he would not run. So what would they do? What would the Olympic Committee do now that their great runner was not going to complete? compete in this race. Man, they tried everything that they could to convince him to run. They said, hey, by, at 12 o'clock, the, the official Sabbath is over, so you can run after 12 o'clock. And they tried to convince him in every way, but he would not budge. He would not give in. Faith, Little's faith was rock solid, and as was his convictions. And he would not budge, and as a result, Scotland saw their only hope for their very first gold medal quickly fade away. Little would still run in the 2024 Olympics. He just wouldn't run the 100-meter dash. He would run in the 200-meter as well as the 400-meter races. These two races were not his best running events and certainly wouldn't garner him any gold medals, which Little would receive much backlash because. He let down his country. He let down his people because he would not run in the 100-meter dash. The first event that he would race in was the 200-meter dash. when When this race was over and the dust had settled, he walked away with the bronze medal. Then there was the 400 meter dash. He would be competing against men that were much faster than he was. And not only that, he also drew the outside lane. And if you know anything about running, the absolute worst lane that a person can run in is that outside lane because they're so far ahead of everyone else in the race when they start. But having that outside lane as the runners behind them make the curves, they start to catch up with that person. And so the runner out there doesn't know, am I leading the race or am I trailing the race? And so he drew the absolute worst lane that he could draw. Also in this race was American Horatio Fitch. Horatio shattered the world record in the 400 earlier that day. And so Eric Little lines up for this race. The gun goes off. And Eric takes off. 47.6 seconds later, Eric Little would win the gold medal. And he shattered the world record by almost one second. He's an amazing runner. He stunned the world that day with his victory. A few days later, he would stun the world again. When as a 24-year-old athlete, he retired from running. And And he joined or he made a commitment that he was going to join his family in China and become a full-time missionary. In 1925, he would arrive in China. During his 20 years as a missionary in China, he would be a teacher, a coach, an ordained minister, a preacher, a husband, a father, and he'd also become a prisoner of war. On December 7, 1941, on the same day that the Japanese would bomb Pearl Harbor, Eric Little 
would be sent to a concentration camp along with all the foreign military forces responsible for guarding the British, the French, and the Americans in China. It would be there that his dash would be complete. On February the 21st, 1945, he died inside that Japanese concentration camp. This giant of the faith who is an accomplished runner and known for winning two Olympic medals, would go on and become an amazing missionary in China where countless numbers of people came to faith as a result of his faithfulness. Eric Little ran the race of life, and he ran it well, and he finished it well. Folks, all of us are in a race. All of our races are different. They look different. The professions that we run our races in are different, but all of us are in a race. The race is not a sprint like Eric Little was known for running. It is a marathon. Like a runner who circles the arena floor, races with all his might to win a prize, you and I too are in a spiritual race. And just like Eric Little was cheered on by his fans in the stands, you and I are being cheered on by the great men and women that are part of that spiritual hall of fame. They are rooting us on and they are cheering us on. They are telling us that no matter how big our giants are, no matter how high those fires roar, we can complete this race strong because the Lord Jesus Christ is our strength, he is our guide, and he is our motivation. They are encouraging us as we race toward our heavenly crowns. The writer of Hebrews wrote to his readers, and even us in this room today, instructing us that if there is something in our life that is encumbering our race, then we need to get rid of it. You know, believe it or not, Back in the first century and before when the pages of God's word was written, when an athlete would race, they would actually run naked. Gross, I know. But they did that because they didn't want anything to trip them up as they ran that race. In life, there are things that trip us up, aren't there? Right here in this passage of Scripture, the writer of Hebrews says that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Other translations say the sin that so easily entangles us. Whatever that sin is in our life, we are, we are told to lay it aside side because that will alter our race. That will affect the race that we're running on a daily basis. You know, what is that sin in your life? Or what are those sins in your life that are tripping you up as you are in this race of life? I don't know what those are for you. I know what those are for me. And I know that I need to get rid of those and cast those aside so that I can be the pure runner that I know that God would have me to be. Think about that this morning. What is it that you need to cast aside? What is it you need to lay aside that's encumbering your race, that's affecting your race this morning? May our prayer be, Lord, do it again through me. Notice our second point is this. You and I are to focus on Jesus. We read in verses 2 and 3, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You know, Eric Little had a very strange way of running. 
If you watch Chariots of Fire, you know that. When he would run, he would run with his head pointed high and his mouth would be wide open. And he would look to the sky. Every once in a while, he would look down. But for the most part, he just ran with his arms fledging. And he had his eyes fixed um, on the sky. You and I are instructed as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to fix our eyes on Jesus. The idea here is that in the race of life, our eyes are to be fixed on Jesus. Our eyes are not to be fixed on our fellow runners because if one looks at other runners or takes their eyes off the prize, what happens? A lot of times we, get, we stumble, don't we? You know, the thing about Eric Little drawing that outside line that, that probably was divine providence is this, that Eric Little, when he raced, he ran for God. He didn't run for man. Yeah, he was competing to win a gold medal. He was competing to win a gold medal for his Scottish country. But in the end, he was running for God. As you and I are in a race running for God and not for man. In the race of life, Jesus is our example. All of us can find spiritual heroes within God's word. All of us have spiritual heroes even outside of God's word that, that, we, um, that, that we like to um, make reference to and find strength and encouragement as we think about their lives. Mine is Enoch. Who is yours? Who is your spiritual giant that you find um, motivation from? You know, our ultimate hero and example is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a hero within life's eternal story that is to be praised and glorified. He completed the race of life unlike any other person within all of human history. As a son of God, he left heaven full of all of its glory. And he came and he dwelt among us. Fully God and fully man. He was tempted in every way like you and I are tempted, yet Jesus never once committed a sin. He did not sin. He would die a criminal's death between two criminals. The religious leaders thought that they had silenced him. The Romans thought that they had finally done away with Jesus and his followers. But oh, what they did not know is that three days later, Jesus conquered death. And because Jesus conquered death, he has provided a way for every single one of us in this room to conquer life, to experience a new birth that occurs when we place our faith and trust in Jesus and believe in Jesus just like our spiritual heroes of the faith did before us. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have never entered into a faith covenant with God the Father. You have never believed upon him and repented of your sins. I invite you this morning in just a few minutes to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Know also that in the race of life, Jesus is our motivation. You and I find motivation in many places, don't we? We find motivation through sermons and books, songs, movies, people that we do life with. Yet there is no motivation greater than the motivation we find through the life of Jesus and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the direction given to us in the word of God. Jesus is our motivation. His word is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our comforter as we go through this race of life. 
Folks, many of our spiritual heroes that have gone before us, they laid it all on the line for Jesus, didn't they? Many of them perished on the mission field like Eric Little. Many of them died excruciating deaths because they would not bow down to the oppressors that were trying to get them to renounce the faith. Here's the deal, though. All of our spiritual heroes closed their eyes on this side of eternity to be greeted on the other side of eternity by the Lord God, our Father. One day, and one day soon, every single one of us are going to close our eyes on this side of eternity. It may be next week. It may be next month. It may be next year. It may be within a decade or decades. And for a few of you in this room, it may even be next century. But here's the reality, though. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns, every one of us are going to close our eyes on this side of eternity. And whenever our lives are all said and done, how is our dash going to be explained to others? What kind of legacy are we going to live, leave behind? My prayer for all of us in this room is that we pray the bold prayer that Billy Graham prayed in 1940 when he knelt down at the bedside of John Wesley and prayed, Lord, do it again. May this be the year that we pray for the Lord to do it again. Lord, do in me and through us what you did through Abraham, through Moses, through David, through Peter, through Paul, through Luther, through Calvin, through Graham, through Mary, through Martha, through Rahab, and all these other great spiritual men and women that have preceded us in death. Lord, do it again. May that be our prayer this year. May that be every single one of our prayer. Lord, do it again. I promise you that if we pray a bold prayer like that, the Lord is going to do in us and through us amazing things. And who's to say that one day, other men and women won't be writing about us and the legacy we left behind because of our commitment and faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, do it again. You know, you may be here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. If that's you, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into a faith relationship with him. You may be here this morning and you've been visiting this church for a while and the Lord is leading you and your family to join. We invite you this morning to come and join this faith family. You know, I don't know what decision you need to make, but let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, I'm going to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. Thanking you for the privilege to worship you on this Sunday morning. Lord, as I think about all the great men and women of faith that have preceded us in death, I'm encouraged and motivated by them, by their lives and by their testimony. And Father, we gain strength from them. But Father, we can't live in the past. We can't live other people's dreams and other people's lives. 
We can follow in their footsteps to a degree, but at some point we've got to move out on our own and begin this faith journey on our own. At some point, Lord, we've got to run our own race. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, for all of us in this room that we will begin running the race that you have set out before us. Father, we can gain motivation from our heroes of the faith. We can pray bold prayers like they prayed, like Billy Graham prayed, Lord, do it again. And that can be part of our motivation that we find in addition to your word. But Father, may we have fresh prayers this year as a faith family. May we pray bold prayers this year as a faith family. Father, may we as a faith family this coming year see this room filled. May we see this year many, many people come to faith in you because of the witness and the work of this great church. May we see these baptismal waters stir frequently this coming year. Father, do in us what only can be explained as a God-led, Holy Spirit-ordained initiative this coming year. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every single person that's here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you'd spend eternity. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come right now. Just as the instruments are just playing right now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to come right now if you don't know Jesus. You come now. You come.